Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. It is good to uh, be able to open the word and to look to it and to let it speak to us and let us uh, um, learn from it. Uh, and today we're headed we're headed back to the book of of Jeremiah. At some point, it would kind of be fun to do this chronological chronological journey through through Jeremiah and kind of piece together the stories that uh, that were put together by Jeremiah. We talked about this a little bit last couple of weeks, but there was this scribe named Baruch that was was kind of commissioned to pull together the prophecies that Jeremiah had done, but he also weaved in and stitched in some of the narrative of his life and the things that went on, and it all kind of was compiled into this book that we now have, Jeremiah. Uh, and so uh, we, haven't been, we haven't been working chronologically through the book, um, and we're kind of, kind of skipping around, and it's kind of harder, it's more difficult in, the, in that way to kind of stitch together the... Uh, the journey or the narrative of Jeremiah's life. Um, but but to, to review just real quickly, in chapter 1 of Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah was called. And he was called with these words. He says, I, Lord, Lord says, I will put my words in you, and, and these words will uproot and destroy. They will tear down. But it says they will also build up. And they will replant. That there's this element of, of Jeremiah has some tough things to say to the nation of Israel, to the, to the kingdom of Judah, the southern kingdom uh, of Israel. Um, and yet Jeremiah also plants this seed of hope in, in the Israelite people. Um, his message was that destruction was due to disobedience, due, due to turning away from God, due, due to, to looking at other places and worshiping other gods but the hope is due to god's faithfulness for god will not betray us and god will not let us down and god will not let our hope run dry today we're turning to jeremiah 18 um, in the 18th chapter of of jeremiah taking a look at the the first 10 verses so if you have your bibles you can open them to jeremiah 18 Um, if you have a device that you uh, turn to scripture on you can point it in that direction Uh, But today we'll be reading from Jeremiah 18, um, chapter 18, verses 1 through 10. Out of respect for the reading of God's word, those who are willing and able, would you please stand as we read together? A reading from the book of Jeremiah, starting in chapter 1 from the Common English Bible. Jeremiah received the Lord's word. Go down to the potter's house. And I'll give you instructions about what to do there. So I went down to the potter's house. He was working on the potter's wheel. But the piece he was making was flawed while still in his hands. 
So the potter started on another, as seemed best to him. Then the Lord's word came to me, house of Israel, can't I deal with you like this potter, declares the Lord, like clay in the potter's hand, so are you in mine, house of Israel. At any time I may announce that I will dig up, pull down, and destroy a nation or kingdom. But if that nation, I warn, turns from its evil, then I'll relent and not carry out the harm I intended for it. Verse 9, at the same time, I may announce that I will build and plant a nation or kingdom. But if that nation displeases and disobeys me, then I'll relent and not carry out the good I intended for it. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please be seated. So is there anything in your life that as you watch it, it just mesmerizes your gaze? As you watch it, it, it just captures your attention and, and, and you can't seem to peel your eyes away. Uh, I have a few things that, that probably qualify. Flames as they burn. Flames as they burn. I, I don't know what that says about me. Um, I've never said anything ablaze that I wasn't supposed to. Um, but, but to watch that flame dance and flicker and, and in the randomness of, of the swirl of the air and as the, as the flame consumes whatever fuel is burning. I love to watch the flames just dance in, in random patterns. I love to watch waves as they crash on the ocean shore. All my, all my beach bum uh, buddies will, uh, will attest to that, to, to just watch the rhythm of that water come in and crash against the beach. Uh, there's, something, there's something mesmerizing about it. I love to watch babies as they, as they lay in my arms or, or even as, as they learn to explore their world. Um, you know, as they're looking at their fingers going, wow, they seem to move and maybe someday I'll be able to control them. But um, it's, it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. There are things, there are just some things that, that capture and hold my attention in a profound way. Pottery is one of those things. Watching someone craft a vessel out of clay on a potter's wheel is one of those things. Um, one of the one of the people that I often look to as I as I'm as I'm studying for my sermons, Roger Hahn was quick to point out this. Uh, in this chapter, the word comes to the word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah, right? And, and the word comes, and, and and God could have told him something. God could have said, "This this is my instruction for you," right? But that's not what God does. <laughs> God says, "I've got something to say to you, but you need to go to the Potter's house to find out." And in my rebellious nature, in my stubborn, strong-willed child voice, I want to say, God, can't you tell me now? <laughs> do, I, do I really have to go? Do I really have to go down to the potter's house? I mean, you're God, and I'm listening. I'm paying attention. Why don't we just, why don't you just tell me now? Why not here? I suspect that part of the reason why is that he had something he wanted Jeremiah to see to be mesmerized by, to be drawn into in that moment. And so God says, I have something to tell you, but I can't tell you now. I can't tell you while you're, while you're here. You need to go 
somewhere else. Do we have any potters in the house this morning? Anybody that will admit that? No? Anybody? No? Yeah? All right. Maybe one. I think I saw one little half of a hand raise. I won't, uh, I won't tell anybody who it was, Allison, so you're, you're safe. Um, <clears throat> my wife took pottery for a semester in college. She, she went upstairs with the kids, so I, I, she, she, she won't hear that I'm talking about her <clears throat> unless she watches the video. Um, <clears throat> She took pottery for a semester in college. Um, she would not claim to be a potter in any way, um, although she made some pretty remarkable things. Um, they were unique, um, and, and they, they were great. I was really proud of her. Um, but, but on occasion, I, I've had the chance to watch and observe someone crafting their art on a potter's wheel. And there's a whole process. There's a whole process to, to, throwing, to throwing a vessel made out of clay. Cutting of the clay, the wedging of the clay where you fold and you fold and you fold the clay together. Um, the point being to, to work out the impurities. To stretch that clay and to work out the impurities and get it ready to be shaped. Then the potter takes the, the clay and throws it down right in the middle of the wheel. But as good, as good and as accurate as you can throw it, it's never really in the center of the wheel. So you turn that wheel on and you press that clay, press it towards the center and then press it down into the wheel and then press it towards the center again and then down into the wheel once again. Until as that clay spins and you put your hand on the clay there's almost no movement. And then with the hands of the skilled potter, of which I am not, that my hands would not work this way, but, the, but this clay then begins to get shaped into the design that the potter has, molding and crafting according to the design of the potter's vision for what this clay could become. And I was, I was sitting in this worship service where a potter was the one who was doing the speaking. And, it, and as he was crafting this, this pot and as he was making this uh, vessel in front of us, this potter uh, had, had, had spent this time and talked to us about the process and talked to us about, about what was going on and what he was doing along each step. He'd spent like 10, 12, 15 minutes designing this pot, designing this bowl. And it, had, it had grown, it was kind of tall, and we were all kind of sitting and watching and just mesmerized by this process. And it, was, it, was, it had grown and he had kind of, it was kind of a tall bowl and, and he had taken all this time and we were kind of attached to what had been created. And then he takes his hand and just like chops a big, dent into the top of this bowl and like it was there was this audible gasp like <gasps> like we had, we had we had gotten to know this bowl a little bit we kind of fallen in love with what we had seen and all the work and time and energy that he had put into this bowl we all loved this bowl and he just destroyed it and this master potter who had had this tall bowl and he had kind of dented the top of it takes this tool and with one little cut, as the bowl is spinning, cut the bowl and takes off the top three inches of this bowl, leaving exactly what he had designed, exactly what he had had in his vision all along. And he says, look, 
by cutting out the imperfections, the vessel is made new. The vessel is made effective. And that's what I see here in Jeremiah. As, as Jeremiah was off to the potter's house to hear God's instruction, it's the potter that's in charge of the clay. It's the potter that, that knew the vision for what was to come. For Jeremiah walked in and said, I, I saw a flawed vessel. I saw something that had imperfection. I, ha I saw something that, that didn't look right, that wasn't designed perfectly. But the potter didn't stress out. The potter didn't question his life choices and what he had chosen to do with his life. He didn't get upset or walk away. But it says he started a new shape, a new vessel. Because the potter can fix, the potter can tweak, the potter can start all over, fold and smooth and recenter that clay and restart the shape. And there's something profound about Jeremiah seeing this. There's something important that Jeremiah had to see in the potter in order to understand the instruction that God was about to give him. Something he had to see that, that reinforced what God had to say, this instruction that he was about to give. <clears throat> you see, Jeremiah had, had <clears throat> started his relationship as, as prophet to the nation of Israel under Josiah. Josiah had been a great king for the nation of Judah, had, had led them back to worshiping Yahweh and to, to, to having a place where, where people could go to encounter God of kicking out the foreign gods and saying, these practices aren't beneficial for us. These aren't healthy. We're not going to, to walk this way any longer or go this direction. But Josiah had passed. And a new king, Jehoiakim, had, had stepped into that role and stepped onto the throne and, and stopped those reforms that the, that the country had been making, saying, we're not going to head this direction anymore. Everybody... Live the way you want to. Everybody worship the gods that you want to and made the way for these foreign powers to come in and disrupt the worship of Yahweh. And that's the setting that Jeremiah probably came into the potter's house understanding that the nation had these flaws and these imperfections. And... and as I, as I look to the text this week, as, as I open scripture, I, I want to let you know I, I've mistakenly come to this text and drawn some conclusions that, that probably aren't the most important things that, that we can learn together from this passage. I have mistakenly often viewed this passage kind of without that context, without that understanding of what's going on in the nation of Israel. thought this passage, and, and, and this isn't a, a bad interpretation, this isn't something that, that we should shy away from, but I've, I've thought about this as uh, that I'm the clay. I want to be the clay in God's hand. God is the, the master potter, and, and I want to be shaped the way that God wants me to be shaped, mold me and make me. But while this isn't a terrible interpretation of this passage, the context and what's going on and the way that God offers the instructions to Jeremiah made me think of something new. 
similar but new. The truth is, and, and I read this from a commentator named Sally Brown, is that this text is, is best considered as a communal passage. That, that when we look at the people of God that, that God wants to shape, he's talking to us. He's talking to we, that, that God was talking about the nation of Israel, the people of God who had been called together to worship Yahweh, and that as the people of God, under the leadership of this new king, there was this flaw. There was this imperfection. But as we look at this passage, we have to understand it communally, together, corporately because when the word comes from God it's not Jeremiah you're the clay and you're supposed to be shaped by God I've got I've got some shaping to do it's not even go tell Jehoiakim this this king that had walked away and gone his own direction go tell him he's the clay and I'm the potter and he needs to let me shape him what does it say it says house of Israel to the house of Israel. This is to a nation. This is to a group of people. This is to a group of people that were, were meant to be known as God's children. God's called out ones. This is to the people of God. And as we look at it today, in the year of 2022, this is the God's word. This is God's word to us. But Jeremiah went to the potter's house to see the marred vessel, to see the imperfect vessel, and for God to say, this is to the gathered people of God. Listen to what I have to say. And, and I think sometimes I, I understand. I understand why, why it's this correction is, is sometimes needed. When groups of people gather together and they have a little shared history, when they have a little shared experience, there begins to, to, to be established this momentum, this institutional momentum and narrative, right? We kind of call it status quo. Maybe we call it, this is the way we've always done it. Pastor, this, this is how it's kind of always been done. Um, the way we've always done things. It's so much more powerful as, as a people, as a community, right? When there's traditions that are formed, when there's ways that things have been done. And the nation of Israel needed someone to step in and say, look, this is, this is what God wants to do in you. This is your role. You get to be the clay. That when groups of people get together, there's all sorts of, well, this is maybe how it should look, and this is maybe how it should go, and this is kind of how we've always done it. And the word from God through Jeremiah is, guess what? House of Israel, people of God, you together get to be moldable, shapeable, formable clay in the hands of a loving God. 
willing to yield to the pressure of the potter, willing to, to respond to the movement of God and to the, and to the shaping and to the, to the will, to the vision, to the design of what God has for you. For I want to create you into a usable vessel, a beautiful creation designed by the master potter. And it's here at the heart of this book. As Jeremiah really is just kind of beginning. This is chapter 18. There's, there's 52 chapters in, in the book of Jeremiah. This, this story is, is kind of just getting off on its starting foots, foot, steps. And, and Jeremiah is saying, I, I've received this call and God's placed it on my heart. But what do we discover here, even in chapter 18? Israel still has hope. The, the words, the, the words that, that, that will come from the Lord, the actions from the Lord, are still somehow dependent upon the response of Israel. Did you catch that? What Israel does, how Israel responds, how the people of God respond is important and makes a difference. What does it say in verse 8? It says, a warned nation that turns from evil... I will relent. Harm will not come. Verse 10 says the same thing, only the other direction, right? Verse 10, a nation that's intent on disobeying, a, a nation that isn't receptive to the formation of God. It says, I will relent. I will not carry out the good that I intended. Now, honestly, this challenges how some of us think of God. If you're honest with if if you're honest with yourself, if, I, if I'm honest with myself, this this challenges sometimes how I think of God. For lots of folks believe, and, and some scholars would agree that that God doesn't really experience time along with us. If we're if we're moving along this timeline, God is somehow up and above and and or surrounding and and not on the same timeline as us. Right? This is getting a little. This is, this is wading off into the. The deep, the deep waters here into the weeds for just a little bit, but but hang with me. If if, if time is on this line, if we're on this journey, that God doesn't experience that time with us. But this is a passage that seems to challenge this, right? Not that Jeremiah or Baruch, who was compiling this, was trying to somehow <laughs> tell us establish our theological philosoph philosophical picture of how God relates to time. But God says these words. God says Israel's actions matter. House of Israel, if you obey and if you are faithful, I will relent. I will not bring about the destruction that I intended. And yet, if a people stay stubborn to my instructions, I will not bring about the good that, that was intended, that I had intended to do. Right? I thought God knew. I thought God had a plan and a purpose. What does this mean? It means that the gathered people of God, it's a message to us that it matters how we respond to the shaping that God has for us, for the will that God has for us, the 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 
design and the vision that God has to create for us. We as God's people must understand our gathered life together as clay in the master's hands, willing to yield, willing to be formed and shaped, passionately committed to obedience. Passionately committed to obedience. That's our first step. <laughs> that's our first step. And, and, and I think that's one of the things that, that God has really worked on me about. Trent, you need to understand that your first step is not understand my plans for you. Not understand that, like, I'd kind of like a schematic of the shape that God's going to make me into, right? Like, just show me the plan. That'd be cool. I'd like to see that just in advance. That'd be cool. But the call of God for the gathered people of God is to say yes first. Yes, I will obey. Yes, I will, I will embrace what you have for me. Sight unseen. Before I get the plans, before I get the spreadsheet, the schematics. God, I say yes. That's our call. That's the call of the people of God to say yes before we see. Whatever your will is for me, deciding in advance, I will say yes. And then second, seeking out the will of God for the shape that we're called to be. Discovering how God wants us to be shaped together as the people of God. I'm going to invite the praise team to come up as we sing uh, a closing song uh, this morning together. I, I truly think that that's, that's the right or order. I mean, I mean I've been there, right? I, I'd really like to start with the direction first, God. I'd really like to just show me a glimpse. Show me where we're headed, what this is going to look like. But I'm afraid in my own life that we're God to answer that prayer. We're God to show me, hey, this is where it's all headed. I might be the one that's like, hey, could we make some changes here? Could we change how this looks? Have you ever done that? Am I the only one? That's, uh... No, as a church. We're going to be the people who say, yes, yes, whatever you have for me, God, wherever you're taking me, however you want to shape and mold my life, our life together, I'm going to say yes first. I'm going to say yes first. And whatever it looks like, Lord, whatever vision you have for me, however you're going to shape our life together. Our answer will be yes. Yes. God, we will go. Let me pray. And then we'll sing together as we close. Lord, thank you for the chance to be called children of God. To, to be able to step into and, and to live into this identity as the gathered people of God. What a privilege it is. And I pray that together as we walk toward you, as we walk 
to toward what you're calling us to be. I pray that our answer would be yes, that we are passionately committed to obeying you, whatever that looks like. Lord, free me from the, the tendency and the desire to want to, to know the plan. Know the plan first. Instead, help me live life of bold obedience to wherever it is that you're taking us, wherever it is that you want us to go, wherever it is you want me to go. And we give you permission to form us and shape us into the people of God that you have called us to be, whatever that looks like. We commit that to you and to one another. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us. And have a great week.